believe that we should be doing more than bare minimum care. Um, cause bare minimum is typically just like surviving. Um, but I believe that they should all thrive. Welcome adventurers. This podcast features Paris Dieter from Critters in the Valley. She's a prodigy, at least at 18 for all the things she knows about reptiles, genetics, and everything else. Fasten your seatbelts. The adventure begins now. To the music. Welcome, Paris. Um, your uh, name of your company is Critters in the Valley. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. How did you come up with that name? Um. So it used to be Paris's Insectary when I only did insects, mm-hmm. but we felt like it was too. It wasn't creative enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh. So, I believe it was my mom who came up with mm-hmm. it. Okay. Um. But yeah, because we're in Cuyahoga Valley, mm-hmm. so critters in the valley. <laughs> Got it, okay. How would you define yourself? I'm really passionate about animals. Mm-hmm. Probably a breeder okay. and enthusiast, mm-hmm. like a mix of the two. Because okay. I'm not like super like large scale, mm-hmm. I'm more small scale. Okay. Small batch, I think was the way Bill would yeah. put it. So uh, yeah, we've gone all, most of us um, that are on the cutting edge, I guess, have gone to small batch breeding so that... Uh, we can take better care mm-hmm. of the individuals. So um, mm-hmm. many people have these large batch breeding situations. So, and then they can't actually take the best care of all of them and they don't worry mm-hmm. about the losses. But um, more of us more recently start to think about, you know, every single one as important. What was your first exotic pet? Oh, I believe it was rats. Okay. Yeah, I got those when I was, or no, it would have been fish. Mm-hmm. But I don't really count them because I didn't know how to take care of fish. Okay. I was like, I think I was like nine. Mm-hmm. My parents got me like glowfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so we had those for a little while. Um, but my like my first like that was actually belonging to me was probably rats. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I was like, I think I would have been fourteen when I got them. Did you take care of them yourself, or did someone help you, or what? What? Um, it was mostly just me mm-hmm. taking care of them. Mm-hmm. How many rats did you have? Um, I started with two. Mm-hmm. Um, then I decided to breed them when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Then I got up to thirty at some point. Wow, thirty! And rats. now I'm down wow. to five. <laughs> okay. Now, do you still have them, or? Yeah, I have a couple, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm not breeding them anymore. Okay. All right. That uh, the sale of those can sometimes be uh, challenging, and uh, mm-hmm. wonder what someone's going to use them for if they're bringing them for kids. Oh yeah. Or if they're using them as a pet. And so. What exotic pets as a whole have you kept? Oh boy. Um let's see. Fish. Mm-hmm. Um currently I just I keep guppies. Mm-hmm. Um and then I have crayfish. Mm-hmm. Obviously axolotls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um crested geckos, leopard gecko. Mm-hmm. Um I had a bearded dragon at one point. Garter snakes, um corn snakes, African agate snake. Mm-hmm. Um, cockatiels, mm-hmm. um, zebra finches, rats, mice, mm-hmm. tarantulas. Um, I'm probably forgetting a few. <laughs> well, if you remember uh, through the through the um, podcast, you can go ahead and just yell them out to, as you remember them. I, I did the same thing when I was talking with uh, uh, 
Dylan from Animals at Home. I uh, I was going mm-hmm. through and I would talk about a different pet and I'm like, I didn't list that in my list. So uh, I had a list, but my, <laughs> my list wasn't comprehensive. But I've been doing this for um, 33 years, as, as far as I can remember, mm-hmm. back to when I had my first iguana, um, at least exotic pets. I've been doing pets for a lot longer. But mm-hmm. um, So how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? 18. 18, okay. So in your 18 years, you've had that many uh, species all starting yep. <laughs> at, uh, at 14 or 15. So that's, uh, that's really impressive. How did you decide to do this? What, uh, what's, what draws you to these exotic pets? Um, so I've always had a love for animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something, something about how like, unique they are. Because everybody mm-hmm. has dogs and cats, but not everybody mm-hmm. has like snakes and axolotls mm-hmm. and geckos. Mm-hmm. It's just it's their u- uniqueness that draws me to them. Okay. How did you choose all the different ones? Is it just they were convenient? Did you like them um, a lot? Or did you research them a lot? Or what did you do? It was mostly my research because I would like research all different species. Um, I've wanted exotic pets probably since I was like 10 um, is when I like found out about them. But my parents <laughs> didn't let me keep them until I was like 14. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> It was mostly just so this research. Is four years we're talking about. Let's just do the math there of all of these few mm-hmm. uh, that you've had all these uh, um, exotic pets. What are you currently up to? Um, mainly just axolotls. Mm-hmm. Okay. They they take so much care. <laughs> um, is that the only ones you have currently, or um, um exotic pet wise, no. But breeding wise, I'm trying to focus more on the axolotls. Um, mm-hmm. I also have crested geckos that just all hatched out, so I have four mm-hmm. tiny baby crested geckos. Wow! Congrats! Is that your first cat? Mm-hmm. Or... Yep. Wow, the clutch, I guess it's called. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. They're kind of crazy. They like to try and escape when I open the door, and they're mm-hmm. tiny and extremely fast. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I've got crested geckos as well, and they are extremely fast. Oh yeah, a lot more like chihuahuas I have as well. And they're not as fast, but they like to bite um, mm-hmm. when they get older. But crested geckos uh, are just, they like to run. So. so you're focusing on axolotls. What drew you to axolotls of all? Creatures? Um, So I probably, I found out about them when I was like 12. Mm-hmm. I was scrolling through YouTube because I was on like the pet side of YouTube back then. Mm-hmm. And I found someone who had axolotls. And mm-hmm. I thought that they were so cool. <laughs> um. I didn't actually get into owning them until probably like about a year ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got my first one, who didn't come from a great place. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had to rehab it, and I just I found them so cool. So I decided mm-hmm. to look into breeding them. Then I got my first clutch, and now I have a lot of axolotls. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about axolotls? I know you told us on the. Uh... The live show last time but um what are they how did how do they uh what kind of neat features do they have and tell us about them yeah so they are an aquatic species of salamander mm-hmm. um they come from mexico um mm-hmm. they're critically endangered in the wild a there hasn't been an actual sighting of them within i want to say it was like 10 years ago was the last time um they were spotted um so they're very 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 endangered mm-hmm. um but they can regenerate their limbs um, and parts of their brains, which is unique. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and then their care, uh, the minimum size is a 40-gallon breeder um, for their tank. And then uh, 
After that, you do 30 gallons per extra axolotl. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they need really cold water. Um, the most common cause of death is probably not keeping the water parameters correct and the temperature. Um, to prepare a tank, you need to cycle it, which takes about eight weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a long process before you actually get your axolotl, which is why a lot of people... When doing research into them, decide not to get them. Mm -hmm. um, but they've, they're pretty easy once you have the tank cycled and the temperature controlled. Um, yeah. So cycling the tank, is that just like for fish where you, you get the nitrogen cycle? or is that different? Yep, it's the nitrogen cycle. So you add artificial ammonia into the water and you have mm -hmm. to dose it like exactly. And then you have to wait for that and then you have to redose it. And it it's a very, very long process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So how do you know it's all cycled, or do you not? Um, so you have, uh, the best way to tell is using, um, I use the API, oh, what's it called? I believe it's the Master Freshwater Test Kit. Mm -hmm. um, it comes with, like, little bottles of um, chemicals that you use. You mm -hmm. take, like, little samples of the water, and you add it to the water, and it'll, like, turn a certain color, and you can tell how much, like, ammonia, nitrates, and nitrates are in your water. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's something I did a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know, before, you know, 30 years or so ago when I had uh, fish. I also had saltwater fish, so it mm -hmm. was the uh, same kind of thing. But um, and you can use, I don't think you can use the same kit because you have to use a saltwater kit. But if I remember mm -hmm. correctly, but it's been 30 years, so who knows? Um, okay, so the, you've got the, the tank cycle. You've got the nitrogen cycle. How cold does this water have to be? Um, so the absolute maximum that they can handle without becoming super stressed is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, but the recommended is, um, 60 to 65. Okay. So it's pretty cold. <laughs> That's below room temperature in most yep. houses. So, um, how do you keep them cold? Um, so you can either use, um, like aquarium fans, mm -hmm. um, to blow across the top of the water and that can help cool, thing cool things down. Um, but... The other option is a chiller, and chillers mm -hmm. are about four hundred dollars. Uh, so, wow, quite expensive. <laughs> yes, um, a heater. I, I used to have a heater and a chiller on my uh, saltwater tanks because mm -hmm. uh, the temperature was too hot or cold because I had them in an apartment and I couldn't control the temperature. Mm -hmm. so it's uh, one of those things you think backwards. You're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm cooling it, I'm heating it. It's you know, it's like having air conditioning and your heater on the same time to keep it perfect, but. Uh, Yep. That's the way things are. So corals are very uh, sensitive. Stuff. Oh, yeah. But so how cold can they get? Um, So they can tolerate some really cold temperatures. I don't know the exact uh, temperature, but uh, when they get like super sick, sometimes mm -hmm. a vet will recommend putting them in the refrigerator because mm -hmm. um, that will slow down their metabolism and give you a little bit more time to figure out like what's going on with them. Um, okay. so they can get down pretty cold. So the ability to regenerate and, um, this ability to slow down the metabolism, that's probably because they're a, not a very complex species. Is that, mm -hmm. I mean, I know that they're, um, you know, they're, they have brains and they, you know, what have you, but, yeah. um, they're not as, they're not complex like uh, mammals or, uh, no, nowhere near like as that. complex as mammals. <laughs> um, so what can they regenerate? Like you lose a limb, does the limb come back? Does it look normal? Yep. So they can re they can regenerate pretty much any part of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, tails, 
limbs like i said if they like get an injury to like their head and it removes like part of their brain they can regrow it mm -hmm. um yeah so they can regenerate pretty much anything but you can't cut them in half and have no. them <laughs> two of them so it's not like you could do it that way that would be that would be really cool because they're so um mm -hmm. because they're so endangered in the wild you'd be yeah. able to um, cut a bunch of them in half each time and uh, grow them back but uh Unfortunately, that's not that way, huh? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, they're not that, that, uh, like, no. <laughs> okay. That's, that's far down the, the train of life. So, okay. <laughs> um, so I heard when we, we talked last time that, um, that there's not any more pure axolotls anymore. Is yes. That true that they're somewhat... yep. So tell me about that. Yeah. So axolotls a long time ago, um, they were crossbred to tiger salamanders, mm -hmm. um, and it was to introduce the albino gene um, mm -hmm. into axolotls. Um, so yeah, pretty much every axolotl in captivity has descended from that. Mm -hmm. So they are extremely inbred, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, they're uh, very closely related to tiger salamanders. How do you decide how to breed them, or which ones you can breed or not? So with axolotls, um, since they're so inbred, you have to like keep a very detailed track of their lineage. Mm -hmm. um, so with any axolotl that you breed, you need information back to at least the grandparents, preferably mm -hmm. more. A lot of places that are like like pet stores, they'll just mm -hmm. get their axolotls from wholesalers who don't keep track of that. Um, and inbreeding can cause a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Right now we're seeing a huge issue with a uh, specific gene called London Lethal, um, mm. and it all stemmed from somebody breeding a pet store axolotl um, to one of their other axolotls and then spreading that gene around. So what does that cause? But typically with the hatchlings, it'll appear about two to three weeks after um, they're born. Mm -hmm. um, they'll get like fluid retention around their head, um, and then they can't like really swim well. They'll be like really like lethargic and then they'll just die. Um, wow. But that's only present in um, axolotls that have two of those genes. Okay. Um, if it only has one, it'll be asymptomatic. So it can continue to pass that gene around. Okay. So it's a recessive gene. Then. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, the recessive gene doesn't cause any problem once you get two, um, though it does cause the lethality. Yep. Okay. So. Um, what other problems are there going on? We're seeing a lot of issues with morphing, which is when mm -hmm. an axolotl will come out of the water um, mm -hmm. and become a land salamander. Mm -hmm. um, and that's all tied back to tiger salamanders, because that's what mm -hmm. tiger salamanders do naturally. Mm -hmm. um, so because we crossbred them to tiger salamanders, they now have the ability to morph, mm -hmm. um, which is why they can now. <laughs> Okay. So, so we're seeing about, a big issue with that. Yeah. Talk about this morphing process. Are they stuck? Um, what, what happens there? So what happens is typically they'll start losing their gills and their gills will like sort of fold back into a flap behind their head. Mm -hmm. um, they'll lose like the webbing between their toes. They will look very stiff for a little while because they're uh, growing or they're like gaining muscle to come out of the water and then eventually they'll come out of the water um, and most spend about 50% of their time on land and in the water still. But mm -hmm. 
It's definitely not something that we want to breed. It's theorized that it can cause their lifespan to shorten, but it, we're not entirely sure about that because we don't know exactly what the best care for them is um, because they're just so rare. So a lot of the short lifespans could also be linked to them just not being cared for properly. Okay. Yeah. So tell me, what is their lifespan? Um, typically for an axolotl, you're going to see about 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. Although if they're kept in very like pristine conditions, they can live probably up to like 25. Wow. So it's, it's hard to say what, you know, what's going to happen there because mm -hmm. the generation is 25 years and you got to wait 25 years to figure out what might happen or how, if they're, mm -hmm. uh, if they're shorter lived or what have you. And so tell me about the whole story about how these came about and where they lived. So they were originally collected back, I think it was like 1870. Um, some like researcher, I believe it was in Paris, France, decided that they wanted to use these for a study. So they brought them over. This was back when their uh, populations were plentiful. Mm -hmm. um, so they brought them over and they started breeding them. And a lot of our current population comes from those original original axolotls that were brought over and then eventually they're spread into the americas um to use for research as well just because they're so fascinating with their regeneration ability a lot of our population just comes from those few axolotls that were collected back in 1870 okay where is their native environment uh so they're found um in one lake that was in mexico city which mm -hmm. the lake does not really exist anymore i believe that they turned them like into little canals so yeah their lake is gone unfortunately <laughs> wow so they're not only orphaned but their homeland was destroyed yep. so um wow that's uh that's amazing so it's, it's crazy that they're still able to keep breeding these without them um, mm -hmm. and over time you're going to have more and more problems as the yep. gene pool doesn't ever expand unless you go back to the salamander and i don't know how i'm sure mm -hmm. someone could do it but that would be uh you'd have a whole yeah. bunch of partial salamander partial uh um axolotls mm -hmm. that uh, you'd have to get rid of that you weren't sure how they'd be or whatever mm -hmm. considering it's 15 20 to 25 years maybe yeah a long time to figure out if they're actually going to change so you wouldn't be able to trust anyone to do that what's your goal with these so my goal with them is to um help keep a healthy population of them in captivity mm -hmm. there are a lot of really really sketchy breeders right now just because they got a boost in popularity because of mm -hmm. minecraft um mm -hmm. putting them in the game uh, so there are a lot of people who should not be breeding these animals that are breeding these animals right now. So do you think Minecraft is, should be, uh, blamed for this or do you think that, a little uh, bit, a little um, bit, you know? yeah, especially considering they didn't really like make them realistic at all. Mm -hmm. Um, when they added them, I've seen a lot of posts about people taking their axolotls out of the water because they can come out of the water in Minecraft. Um, very, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> what other things are you up to as we speak? Um, not a ton. I'm starting college, so. Great. Where are you going? Uh, Tri-C. All right. Great. Yeah. What are you going to be studying? Um, I'm going to be going for an Associates of Science. Okay. And then I'll be going for a, I believe it's a Bachelor's in Biology. Okay. And then a Master's in Genetics and hopefully a PhD in Genetics. And what are you going to do with all that? Probably something medical. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're going to go on beyond that or are you going to be doing uh, medical stuff that doesn't require a different degree? 
Um, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, still thinking about that. <laughs> What's going to happen to the axolotls when you're going to school? Um, so it's not too far from my house, so I'm just going to mm -hmm. keep taking care of them. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be living off campus? Oh, uh, yeah, living off campus. Okay, all right. So tell me about what other pets do you have currently? Um, so I have cockatiels, mm -hmm. um, I have zebra finches, mm -hmm. um, a corn snake, mm -hmm. I have two garter snakes, an African egg-eating snake, mm -hmm. um, a curly-haired tarantula, a Mexican red-knee tarantula, four mice, five rats, and then six crested geckos. So your mice and rats, are they kept all one container or are they no so they have to be kept separate um rats are very opportunistic mm -hmm. um and they've been known to eat mice <laughs> okay yes they're not uh friends but no. uh, the, might be the rats themselves are they all male are they all female are you just... um so the rats are i have um three females and two males they're kept separately because okay. i don't want them to breed and then i just have four female mice okay all right so that's good okay. So what what intrigued you with the mice? Well, why did you keep those? Um, it's mostly their genetics. I really mm -hmm. love their genetics because it's it's okay. really complicated, and they mm -hmm. have so many interesting varieties mm -hmm. and different like colors and stuff. Besides college, what's next for you? I think that's probably enough. But yeah, that's pretty much it right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Um. So, what are your long term goals? You want to become something in medical genetics and yeah i'm thinking either like laboratory work um medical just something that pays a lot <laughs> it pays a lot huh okay it's it's one of those things where when you uh when you find something that takes care of a lot of things or you can sell without actually doing yourself if you can make a lot more money than if mm -hmm. you have to be an individual <laughs> and provide it that for each individual no matter how much you do so Okay. Um, so Critters in the Valley, do you only then sell the um, axolotls? Um, right now, we only have axolotls for sale. I plan mm -hmm. on selling some crested geckos mm -hmm. um, soon here, once they hit their weight. Yeah. Uh, what uh, morph of crested geckos do you have? Or you... Um, So right now, I'm primarily working with harlequins and extreme okay. harlequins. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are kind of neat. I think I have a couple mm -hmm. harlequins. So crested geckos and axolotls, what... Uh, uh, shows do you go to? Um, right now we're primarily going to the Northeast Ohio um, mm -hmm. Expo, and then we're also doing, I believe it's the All Ohio Axolotl and Isopod Sale, um, okay. which is every like I think it's six months. Okay, I you told me about that one before, and I've never been there. What was that like? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the <laughs> that's the one show that I sold really well at. <laughs> what? Where was it? Um, it's down in Columbus. Okay. They don't allow any reptiles, so it's like all mm -hmm. amphibians and insects. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a really unique show. <laughs> yeah, where most uh, shows are mostly snakes, a lot of ball mm -hmm. pythons, and then whatever else they can throw in there. But um, and axolotl and insects. No. How did that? Um, how did they decide to do that? I have no idea. They just they they gave me a flyer at the mm -hmm. Cleveland show, and I was mm -hmm. like, absolutely. <laughs> You're there, huh? Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, how did you get into your first reptile show? What was it like? Um, so the first show that we went to was the Fremont show. Um, okay. We did not sell anything mm -hmm. um, besides like a couple like care guides. Mm -hmm. um, There's another axolotl vendor there that was mm -hmm. interesting. 
<laughs> um, and pricing them really low. Mm -hmm. um, and I cannot price that low. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Bill and I always talk about that. Um, when you price yourself out of the market, you, you cause people to buy them on the spur and not treat them as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you cause the other breeders to have issues and it really doesn't make any sense. We, you know, yeah. if Bill was king, he'd make every uh, reptile $400 and above so that people would take, <laughs> take, take care of them. And I know reptiles aren't reptiles, but you know, when we talk about reptiles, it's like reptiles, amphibians, and mm -hmm. insects, and bugs, and everything else um, that are at these shows. So um, he would price them so much higher so that the, they would uh, be well taken care of. When did you go to your first reptile show? Your, not your sell, but to go to? Um, Oh boy, it would have been back... I think it was would have been like early 2021, right as we were getting out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, it was the Cleveland show because that's okay. like right next to my house. Okay. So we and, went there and we were like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cool!" <laughs> any reason why you're not vending at the Cleveland show just because it's packed? Or I've been trying. Mm -hmm. Um, they already have two axolotl vendors there, mm -hmm. so they're like, "Yeah, we don't need any more." <laughs> okay, I guess that you know I, I noticed that with rats is in. Uh, Mm -hmm. mice as well some shows only let one person sell them even, yeah you know, and and so the ohio which is this the, the sister show to the um uh the older sister show to the all, all cleveland show um only has one vendor for those so that's mm -hmm. interesting so okay what did you think of the first reptile show i loved it <laughs> okay what about it appeals to you um, it's just seeing like all the different species because some people bring like really unique species. Mm -hmm. Like obviously you have like a thousand ball pythons mm -hmm. <laughs> and like a million tables of people just vending ball pythons. But then you get like the people who are doing like the axolotls mm -hmm. and the frogs and the mm -hmm. vertebrae. It's just it's really cool. <laughs> okay. As a vendor, what's your experience with reptile shows? What would be the perfect reptile show? I guess I should ask you. Um, oh, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Having people who actually know what they're like doing coming up to your tables. Mm -hmm. I've had so many people who just come up and they're like, oh, cool, an axolotl. Can I put these with my fish? I'm mm -hmm. like, no, no, you cannot. <laughs> so you'd like, you'd like better, better attendees. Yes, um, better attendees. <laughs> You know what? If you if you do spend the time and you take a little bit of time and you talk with the other mm -hmm. attendees, they learn and maybe the next time they'll be back and they'll be a good purchase. So yeah, it does take a lot of time. I think mm -hmm. I think everyone I've talked to who's vended or um, bred reptiles and and amphibians and what have you talks about how it takes five, six, seven people before you get a sale. And, oh yeah. Uh, and if you're picky about your specifics, which is you know, I do my breeding as a hobby so i'm very mm. thinking about where my you know my reptiles go and you know i'd rather just keep them and give them to someone i think is going to kill them so, yeah exactly um, so i'm like no you can't have them yeah <laughs> there are like, so not? many shows I where mean, i just i don't sell anything <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's a good way to go about it so um okay. mm -hmm. what um requirements do you have for people to purchase do you have any at all um so I definitely, I ask them about like their setup and their mm -hmm. care and I make sure that they know what they're doing because mm -hmm. a lot of people just want to impulse buy them. Mm -hmm. They think, oh cool, it's like 70 bucks. Mm -hmm. If it dies, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, right. But I breed on a really small scale, so my animals mean a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very, very, very picky with who mm -hmm. they go to. 
do you follow your animals? Do you have the people contact you? or do Yeah, they, yeah. Do I have lots of people who, like, update me, and they'll mm-hmm. give me, like, pictures and videos of their axolotls. So when was the first axolotl that you sold? Um, It would have been back in March mm-hmm. was when I sold the first one. Okay. Yeah. So it's not been that long you've been selling them. No. Okay. Yeah, no. Of course, you've only started this whole man- nonsense four years ago, so I can't yeah. expect you to be selling them 15 years ago. Of course, you would have only been uh, three at the time. So uh, your journey is just beginning. Where uh, my journey is uh, hopefully in the middle, <laughs> but yeah. um, but hopefully there's a long time to go. What does your family look like? Um. So I have uh, a little brother mm-hmm. who. I won't say that he doesn't like the animals. He's just mm-hmm. a little afraid of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom and dad, who like the animals. Okay. But it's, yeah, mo- you know, it's I mainly I met your me. mom and dad. I think at least your mom at the... Yeah. Uh, I think it was, an or- it was um, Fremont that I met. Yeah. And then I saw you again at uh, the Northeast Ohio. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Fremont, because you had gone away from the booth for a few minutes. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I was there talking to them. And they were like, uh, you need to ask Paris. <laughs> What else would you like to tell uh, the uh, adventurers? Oh, um, do your research before buying animals. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. And where's the best place to do research? Um, I really like like going across Google and mm-hmm. like cross-referencing everything, mm-hmm. double checking and making sure that you're like finding the best information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a lot of people who will just automatically go for, like, the absolute bare minimum they can do um, mm-hmm. to save, like, time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that we should be doing more than bare minimum care. Because mm-hmm. um, bare minimum is typically just, like, surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that they should all thrive. Okay. And define thrive for me. I mean, I know um, be, but... As, as far as axolotls go, yeah. what causes um, them to survive versus just survive? Surviving is more so, like, their gills don't look the best. Like, they're healthy, but mm-hmm. not super healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, an axolotl that's just, like, surviving won't be super active, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, axolotls, they're not, like, super active, but they're not, like, sitting there in one spot for days on end. Okay. Um They'll have, like, super healthy gills, really fluffy. Um, they'll be happy. They'll be eating. Yeah. Just okay. giving them the best care you can provide. Well, we wish you well in your endeavors as you head off to college, and we hope that you find something that you love to do that will also uh, be lucrative as well because uh, if you love what you do, it's never a day of work. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have to hear back from you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Please join our Facebook group. Reptile Show Reporter, pictured here. Thanks.